I, I grew up, I grew up in a home where faith was something complicated. I grew up in a home where faith was something complicated. My, my parents were married in 1967. My mom was a Roman Catholic. My dad was a Baptist. And both the priest and the pastor wanted to know who's going to convert. Right? My dad would say later in life that when he got married and when he had kids, that he was backslidden. Now, backslidden is a Baptist term used to describe somebody when they say, hey, Jesus, I'm going to live my life and do what I want to do, and you stay over there and stay out of it, okay? And so Baptists have lots of fun terms, but backslidden is one of them. That's kind of what it means. And so, so at the time when he got married and when he had kids, he was backslidden in his mind. Um, but somewhere along the way, he decided to start taking my brother and me to church. And this is around 1974, 1975. And I just want to remind those of you that are younger that 1975 was an entirely different world. <laughs> Let me say that again for the old people. 1975 was an entirely different world. Okay? It was an entirely different world. In fact... Church was very different. On a Sunday morning in church, you did church twice Sunday morning. If you were Baptist, you went to Sunday school first where you had people your age or your gender, depending upon how they divided people up. And then everybody was together in the big room every single Sunday for worship. And you got in two doses of Jesus before it even hit noon. And then... Then you went back to church that night for Sunday night church, which was like Sunday morning light, right? <laughs> there was still a sermon, but they didn't take up an offering and <laughs> there was less singing, okay? And so, and, but they also had, if you were really, really spiritual and you walked with Jesus the way Enoch did, just kidding, then you would go to prayer meeting, which happened on a Wednesday or Thursday, what we called midweek. So in most churches rolled this way. It didn't matter whether you were Baptist or Methodist or Bapticostal or Episcomatic, like everybody did it. And so in any given week, you got three or four doses of Jesus every single week. And so parents began to think, wow, I, you know, if I just bring my kids to church, whoo, we're set like a perm, like the church is going to introduce them to Jesus. The church is going to help them understand the Bible. And when the teenagers, the church is going to help them not to get pregnant and all the other stuff I worry about at night, right? And thank goodness for the church. Um, and so people began to think of the church as a kind of Hogwarts, right? As a kind of Hogwarts, it's a magical place. And so uh, part of the mindset also was that that's where you did your faith. I'm going to go do the Jesus thing in the Jesus building with the steeple in the cross, and I'll bring my A game and smile and pretend that everything's perfect. By the way, we don't embrace that value. Um, and, and so and, and that's how it kind of played out. Again, 1975 was a very different world. Today, most churches don't do four doses of Jesus in a given week, right? Many churches are just like generations where 
It's pretty much once a week. There's not even a midweek. And churches that do do a midweek find that if they've got really great leadership and they've got a compelling vision and tremendous programming and awesome volunteers, they can muster about a third of the people who show up on any given Sunday, right? It's not 1975 anymore. It's very, very different. In fact, among Americans, regular is different. So for many American churchgoers, regular is maybe twice a month. So in the course of a year, you've got 25 doses of Jesus vis-a-vis Church Incorporated in any given year, 25 hours in a given year. You guys live in America. You're smart. Let me ask you, is that enough to combat YouTube? (laughs) Is that enough to combat everything that media is saying about who we are in terms of you're a consumer and you are your own boss and live your best life and just follow your heart and everything else that culture is trying to tell us about how to live life is 25 hours a year enough? No, I don't think so. And so I want to remind you as we get ready to kind of dedicate this space, look around. Yes, this is so much nicer than Lone Oak, but this is not Hogwarts. This is not Hogwarts. This place is not magical enough. It's not, doesn't have enough in it to combat everything that's going on culturally. Uh, And so I want to remind you that faith, your faith, my faith, our faith is actually an everyday everywhere thing. Uh, The way we say it is the value that's on the back wall. Take your faith home with you, right? So faith is not just a church thing that you do on a Sunday morning where you put on your church clothes and bring your church Bible and all that other stuff we did in 1975. No, faith is when you're going to Kroger, Faith is when you're sitting in a soccer game. Faith is when your coworkers are just jerks. Like faith is everywhere all the time because God is everywhere all the time. Um, so if you're a kid growing up in a church family of today, you've got 25 hours a year, maybe, that of you know church corporate Jesus doses getting into you. Did you know that you'll spend 400 hours a year doing math homework? So you'll, you'll spend 16 times the amount of church Jesus stuff doing math. And media consumption's about 2,500 hours a year. So you'll spend 100 times <laughs> the amount of church Jesus stuff just on YouTube. And we know YouTube has all kinds of cool stuff, <laughs> good and bad. So you could take one of two stances. You could say this morning, well, Max, fine, uncle, I'm just gonna give up. Like, it's, we're all going to die. It's just going to become Europe and blah. Okay. First of all, calm down, breathe, breathe. Okay. Or you could take the, uh, take the mindset of, well, I'm just not even going to do anything because it doesn't matter. Like it's, my kids are going to, culture's going to disciple. No, no, no. Calm again, breathe. I want to encourage you and me to be intentional about leaning into this faith being an everyday, everywhere kind of a thing. And I want to talk to you about that today and remind you about that because I don't want you to see now that we have a space that we can actually have keys and unlock and all that kind of stuff. I don't want you to see this as Hogwarts. Hogwarts is actually everywhere, everywhere you go because Jesus is with you everywhere you go. And so God actually expresses this idea that faith is an everywhere, everyday kind of a thing. And he says as much in Deuteronomy chapter six. 
Deuteronomy chapter six. This passage is so important that when Jesus is asked, hey, hey Jesus, what's the most important thing in the Bible? Guess what he quotes? Deuteronomy 6, it's right there behind me. Okay, Deuteronomy 6 is like big time. If you're a Jew, you would say this at the beginning of synagogue every single week. This is the first thing that you would all say together, Deuteronomy 6. You would have it written in parts on, that you would put on your body and in your homes. I mean, it was just, it was a big deal thing. So in Deuteronomy chapter 6, something is happening. And I want to set the stage for you. So the Israelites have left Egypt. They've been marauding about all over the Middle East, trying to get to where they're supposed to go. And word has it that they're going to cross the river and enter the promised land that God had promised 40 years ago. And there's a rumor going around everywhere that Moses isn't coming. What? No, yeah. Did you hear? Like, we're going in, but... Moses isn't coming with us. Whoa. Like, so there's this freak out moment for the Israelites. And so Moses gives this kind of farewell address because he knows he's not going either, right? And so this is Deuteronomy chapter six, and we're gonna chunk it and we're gonna be looking at, say, the first nine verses. Deuteronomy six, verses one and two. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey his degrees and commands, you'll enjoy a long life. Hey, hey guys, this isn't just about you. It's about your kids and your grandkids. Hey, Generations Community Church, this isn't just about us and the lives that we're living. It's about our kids and our grandkids, right? And so he's setting the stage. And then verse three, listen, listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you and you'll have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors promised you. The land flowing with milk and honey. Moses knows that they're about to enter a, a place and enter a set of circumstances where they will have extra. They'll have more than they need. They'll have plenty. See, wandering about, marauding about the Middle East, they had manna. They had exactly what they needed that day in terms of food and no more, except the day before the Sabbath. They couldn't store up for several months down the road. They couldn't build barn, you know, storehouses and granaries. They were on the move and they had what they needed that day and that was it. And so Moses knows that there's a risk that when you have extra, when you have a lot, that faith can kind of get shoved to the side. And so he's talking about this with them. And he continues, verse four, listen. How many times are you hearing this in this passage, right? You get in the intensity of Moses, listen, listen to me, right? It's right out of Proverbs, incline your ear to me, O son. Okay, so listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. The Lord God is our God. He's God, not you, not me, not any of the other deities that we encounter with all these other Israel. God's God. And since God is God, verses five and following, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. 
Love God with everything and don't hold anything back. It's the first time in the Bible that we're actually told to love God. Up until this point, you're supposed to fear God. You should obey God. But now Moses is saying, no, 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 love God. It's a relationship. Love God. Love him. Really love him. In that verse 6 part where he's like, commit yourselves wholeheartedly and repeat it again and again. Verse 7, repeat them again and again to your children. Talk to them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands. Wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. Write it on your hearts and pass it on to your kids and your grandkids and make sure that it's the love God, it's the relationship part, not the rule part. I grew up, I just told you as a Baptist, I could tell you all the rules. Don't drink, dance, smoke, or chew or associate with those who do. And I've got some other rules too. (laughs) I could tell you all the rules, but here's the thing, when it comes to rules, Nobody will die for a bunch of rules. Nobody's inspired by a list of rules. Rules do not inspire devotion, awe, and wonder. Amazing love does. Amazing grace does. God and who he is does. And so Moses is trying to get Israel to see this. And these four things here that he talks about Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. They would actually, uh, they have these things called phylacteries, uh, which they would uh, tie uh, on one finger, and then it would go around the wrist, um, and sometimes would be around their, like literally on their forehead, and it would have this inside of it and some other things. And so, like literally, oh, oh, that's right. they would have these things called mezuzah. So if you go to the home of a devout Jewish family today, as you enter, you might see this uh, uh, kind of thing that's at an angle. That's the mezuzah, and it has that, uh, this in it, inside of it. Um, but these four things, uh, you must commit yourself, repeat them, talk to them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. When you're at home, when you're sitting down, when you have a meal together, I don't care if it's at your dining room table or if it's at Fazoli's, it doesn't matter. But when you're at a meal together, it should be a device-free environment where you as a parent can be teaching about how life works and you're talking about the issues of the day around the table. Uh, I love it when our family gets into politics and all kinds of stuff about culture and everything else uh, because it gives me an opportunity as a dad to weigh in about, well, here's what I've seen. Here's how I think God works. Here's what the Bible, like, okay? So it's just a moment that you can leverage in your family, mealtime. And the second one that he mentions, uh, on the road, uh, uh, this is uh, when you're walking about, this is car, this is what I call drive time, right? Um, And I'm gonna tell you right now that when your kids get a little older, that's magical, It's every bit as magical when they're five years old and you're tucking them into bed at night, drive time. When they're teenagers, I don't let my kids have their devices out when we're driving around. We don't listen to the radio when we're driving around. Why? Because I've got a captive audience. (laughs) (laughs) And what I found is that drive time is when, boom, the bombs get dropped on dad. Hey, dad, I just want to let you know. What? 
touch. Okay, you know, right? Because you're in an intimate space together. It's another time that you can leverage for the relationship. Uh, he mentions also when they're lying down. When my kids were younger, I would, whatever the virtue was that month, I would just take one, one night out of the week and I would read the Bible story from that month's virtue to my kids and we'd talk about it a little bit. Um, when you're tucking them in bed at night. And then there's the stuff in the morning uh, when, you, when you're waking up. Uh, that morning times are a great time for encouragement. I don't know about you, but I struggle with the mornings. Mornings are a struggle bus for me, and that's with two mugs of coffee. And so and I've, it's, it's helpful for that encouragement. Um, so when my kids would take a lunch to school uh, before they had free lunch, I would put these little notes about once a week, not every day, once a week. See how pathetically weak your pastor is, right? <laughs> this, is not, this is not like, well, you know, every day we gathered around and helped. No, no, <laughs> this is stuff any of us can do. Once a week, I'd drop a note in their lunchbox and it started off with one of four things. I hope you know that. I've noticed that. I want you to know that, right? And it just, I could share a little bit about my heart or a little bit about what I see in them as a kid, okay? So, Moses is a pretty wise man about how this works. And he's telling us some things that are important. And one of the things that he's telling us is that faith is an everyday thing. Don't look at the church or a church building as Hogwarts, please. It's not. God's with you wherever you go. Yes, you do need a church. You do need a church family. And then you need the community, the larger community. Yes, we need those things. But faith is an everyday thing because God is at work every day in every place that you find yourself. Let me ask a question in light of this passage. Uh, and the question that you and I could ask of ourselves is, what does God want to do in my life today? What does God want to do in my life today? What does God want to do in my family today? And if God were to complete these sentences, what would God say? I want you to become... I want your kid to become. I want you to feel. I want your kid to feel. I want you to believe. I want your kid to believe. I want you to choose. I want your kid to choose. How would God complete those sentences? And how could you become intentional today about leveraging faith every day, everywhere. So how do you take this home, right? I got three practical things. One, one is uh, make Sundays a priority, right? You've got competing interests and all kinds of competing things and you can't help work and some other stuff, but make Sundays a priority. Um, too many of us don't leverage the hours we have with our kids, whether it's tucking them in bed at night, driving along the road or sitting down at a meal, but there's something that happens every week, right? And all of the people in this room, they're rooting for you the same way that God is rooting for you and that Jesus and the Holy Ghost are like, yes, come on, take another step, trust him, trust God. Yes, God's got this, God's got you, okay? And then secondly, uh, stop living like it's 1975. We all have to stop living like it's 1975. You're like, Max, I already, like, uh, trust me, I'm there, you know. Okay, so... <laughs> Here's what I mean. 
uh, America is discipling all of us and our kids to think that life is a story and they're the hero in the story. So the way that America speaks to me is America says to me, hey, Max, life ultimately really is about you. You're the hero of your story and you need to self-actualize or get to this moment where you become the full expression of yourself and, and, and you make your own decisions and don't let anyone tell you how to live your life and just follow your heart and all this other stuff that culture in America tells me to do. And the funny thing is, that's a terrible way to live. Like the result of that is what we see in our culture where you're constantly driving down US 27 and you're like, hey, don't be absorbed in your screen. Look at the rest of us on the road, <laughs> right? Okay, that kind of stuff. So stop living like it's 1975. What if we gave our kids a better story, a story, God's story, that life is a gift and ultimately God is telling his story through human history and God's the hero. And what God is working to do is leverage a global rescue plan where he rescues humanity from our own brokenness and rebellion and brings about human flourishing, right relationships, shalom, justice. Couldn't the world use a little more of those things? <laughs> I know that's not on the ballot this fall, but it could use a little bit more of those things. The last thing that you and I could do is in any given day, ask God this question, God, where are you at work? Where are you at work in my life? I wanna partner with you. I wanna partner with your mission. There are all these things that I want and I need and, and, and there's my happiness I'm trying to work on and there's all this stuff and I lay it down. Here I am, I'm available. Where are you at work? How do you wanna use me? Here's the good news. You're going to fail at this. <laughs> Here's the good news. You're going to fail at this. Here's the good news. You're going to fail at this. In Deuteronomy 6, the things that Moses asked them to do, guess what Team Israel did? <laughs> I want you to pass on your faith to your kids. <laughs> I want you to make faith in every day, every place thing. I want you to love God with all you have. Okay, Team Israel, big zero. But their experience points to, their experience points to Jesus. Jesus was obedient in a way that we're not. Jesus took the curse of disobedience on him and Jesus is a far better Moses than Moses ever was, right? And so I simply wanna remind you that God is at work. He is at work even when you don't feel it, even when you don't think it, even when you're like, God, I just, I'm struggling. I don't know where you are. Like, he's there. I'm telling you, he's there. <laughs> Ask this question again, God, where are you at work and what do you wanna do in my life today? God wants more than anything to answer that question and help you to see things through the eyes of Jesus.